This is Tom Lee from NEJM Catalyst, and we're talking today with Amy Marino, a high-risk obstetrician at the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, but the reason we're talking to her is because of her very important, very difficult, uh, very you know intimidating work as Enterprise Chief Medical Information Officer. Uh, so, Amy, first tell us, what is your job? I get you to understand the OB stuff, but tell us about what is your focus as Enterprise Chief Medical Information Officer for an organization as big and complicated as the Cleveland Clinic. Yeah, so I thought um, I thought I had an easy job, but the more you describe it, I, it is a bit of a challenge. So um, in this role, it's it's really a, a physician leadership role within the Information Technology Division. And the way I look at it is it's really um, providing a translating role between the medical staff and clinical needs with the technology division. Uh, the role that I play, I get to partner with other IT executive leaders as well as the executive leaders of the organization to try and understand strategic initiatives that are happening across the enterprise and ensure that from a technology standpoint, especially around our clinical technology, that we're supporting those. I am able to get into the weeds on a lot of the projects and really get to the nitty-gritty of how the technology helps our caregivers, um, but I'm also very fortunate, um, and, and many organizations have the structure, to have some additional medical informaticists who, um, from different specialties who really help um, with that work of translating clinical practice to the technology world. So you are really living at that interface between the clinical world and the IT world. Uh, now, the Cleveland Clinic has been using Epic for a long time now. How many years is it, in, and how would you say it's going in uh, 2017, 2018? We were definitely early adopters of Epic. We really started our relationship with them back in 1999. And at that point, Epic was rolling out different modules and and had sort of their more generic tools available, um, and over the years, in partnership with the Cleveland Clinic and with other organizations who have been with Epic for a long time, they've really been able to develop their product into a multidisciplinary best-of-breed EHR. How it's going with us, from my standpoint, I think um, I would say it's going very well. Some of our caregivers and some of our other team members may have different thoughts on it, but as I really look at how far we've come with this tool and the relationship that we've had and continue to, to develop with Epic, I think when you look at the deployment that we have, we have some really impressive pieces of technology. Now, I'd also counter that with there being some opportunities for us, um, starting with Epic Many years ago, we were able to, as were other customers, kind of develop workflows using the tools that Epic had for maybe different intentions because we needed to do that. And again, Epic has learned from that and, and updated their software um, where they now meet the needs of many of our and other specialists. Um, but we didn't necessarily adopt the exact way that Epic system was built for that. As EPICs move forward and as we're moving forward with this, um, that runs us into some issues. We have some custom code that every time the software updates, we need to sort of relook at that code, and there's a lot of maintenance behind that. And additionally, there's a lot of tools that EPIC has brought out 
where um, they're solving the problems in a slightly different way, but maybe even a better way than, than we figured it out. And as physicians are going from hospital system to hospital system where um, these tools are rolled out, that it's my partners that are really challenging us to uh, look at our deployment and, and make some changes to some tools that they're actually um, asking for. Um, so when I look at it, it's, it's a lot of hard work for, for my team and the technology team to really think about how to, to get our tools to a place where they're really functioning for our end users. Now, one reason we're talking today is that you recently made a comment to me that a lot of the time with issues that are frustrating clinicians about using electronic records, the real fixes, the, the, the fixes that work best, is more about fixing the way clinicians work with each other than the actual IT system or even the interface with the IT. I mean, did I get that right? This is kind of like uh, the Seinfeld thing about, you know, it's not you, it's me. Uh, can you explain what you meant by that and maybe give an example or two? Sure. So I think part of that, it really is as we get more tools available to us and as there's more information within the EMR, um, there are some things about how we work with it, which I'll give you some examples of in a second as well. Um, but you sort of can lose some of that that person-to-person -person interaction. So some of the things we think about, and, and we're just developing a little task force to look at this, for an in-basket or how we message amongst each other. If different clinicians choose to send messages in different ways so that it comes through um, maybe as a telephone encounter or as a staff message or whatever the tool is, if the receiving provider doesn't think about that tool in the same way, you may miss getting that message from them. And for really critically important pieces of information, even if you can send a message through the technology, that concept of picking up the telephone and, and having that conversation about the patient with that other caregiver is really still essential. And we're always getting requests to help automate the system to help tag people with what their task list is of which patients they need to see and who they need to go to. But if they show up there and haven't had that conversation about why is this other provider asking me to help take care of this patient, what's the question they're asking, it's really dissatisfying for everybody in that situation, the caregivers and the patient. Um, so I think that's one of the things that continues to pop up about how we work with each other. I do think there are some pieces, too, about it of how the systems are built compared to how doctors want to work. So as the technology requirements change or regulations change, if the IT department just throws in different regulations as one more click or one more thing for the doctor to do and doesn't really understand what a workflow is about seeing a patient in a primary care office, what does the doctor need to do to take care of that patient, and how can you fill in all of these other requirements somehow in the workflow so that the doctor and the patient feel like they're interacting and having an experience where the doctor is taking care of that patient, how can they feel like they're having that experience, capture what they need to in the computer system, but not make it seem like that doctor is doing clerical work of collecting data. Make it seem like he's just writing his note and ordering that yearly lipid panel that that patient needs. 
I just this morning seen my own patients in primary care at the Brigham got introduced to a program uh, for blood pressure where patients are being given home blood pressure cuffs that are Bluetooth enabled so that their blood pressures are directly uploaded to our electronic medical record and then there's a team that will regulate their medications without even me knowing about it and uh, and that team has an 80% successful control rate which is a heck of a lot better than the rest of healthcare but it will yeah. take time for people like me to learn to work with that team. It's better care but it's annoying how I, I learn about it. Uh, right. I think you know, that's part of what uh, you're going to work to organize providers. Just quickly on that, that that example, I think, is actually um, really interesting because our patients are actually becoming a lot more engaged and accountable for their care as well. And, again, they're out there with these tools, right? You can get a Fitbit or a blood pressure cuff that's Bluetooth-enabled, and they want to be able to interact with the care team. So I do think that there is that change from our patients also coming in where they have that data, they want it to come to us to to look at that. Um, and I think having that team to review it for you guys is great because the other option is for you to get all those blood pressures, too, to look at all the time, which, again, would be one more thing in that in-basket of yours that uh, that you may not want to see. Exactly, exactly. Now, uh, the last question I want to ask you is about demographics because I don't think of myself as, oh, but if someone gives me a Bluetooth-enabled blood pressure cuff, I'd be thinking, oh, God. <laughs> but I know that for, uh, you know, my children, they'd be thinking, cool. And I think the same kind of thing is going on with electronic records is that I pretty much learned to do the minimum I need to get through my session. Uh, but my 30-year-old daughter, she's a neuro-resident, she is a super user who teaches others how to use electronic records. Do you think our problems are going to get better because the IT gets better, or is it just going to take time and the natural replacement of one generation with another? So I think I think it's a combination of both. I think the the interesting piece, and for, for many of us who remember what it was like to take care of patients on paper and, and know how to handwrite a prescription, which is kind of a, a lost art. I think that the the original design and, unfortunately, some of the thinking now is trying to get an electronic health record to work like paper used to work. Um, and I know we're really trying to think about well, that's not really how a computer should add value to how we take care of patients. And and what is it that is different about how we think about our patients' records and how we think about doing our documentation and ordering that could be more more innovative? So I think there will be some of that time where we will have folks who've never picked up a paper chart driving the design of these tools in a, in a different way um, that will, will help us. And then those folks who remember the paper will slowly retire, and so they won't be asking those questions or making those comments of, well, when it was on paper, I did it this way. I think there are also great advances in technology. Your daughter probably also has Alexis at her friend, as her friend at home who will turn on her TV and change the channel for her and order her groceries to be delivered. The, the technology that's coming on the consumer side that 
we're all seeing and our patients are seeing, I think is really advancing very quickly. And, and to your point, everyone thinks it's really cool. I think the challenge is figuring out how to safely incorporate those tools within the healthcare environment and be able to take advantage of, of those items. So I think that the technology will get a lot better and our thought process of what we're building needs to change from from the concepts of what it was on paper and, and trying to make old guys like you happy with just doing the minimum to really innovate on how we can get these tools to help work for us. And I think many of our um, EMR vendors are really thinking that way as well. So it's, it's a change that I think will take a little bit of time, but we're all moving in that direction together at this point. Well, let me close by asking this. When you think about the cool things that you might do over the next couple of years, what percent do you think will become from better organization of our people, you know, humanware, and what percent do you think will be because of cool software? Yeah, so actually I think it's really got to be a combination of both. I think that the software is now pretty flexible, and it's having that human interaction of how should we take care of patients and how can we use all the data that we have, that we need that human and operational input to really think about how that needs to change to then be able to utilize the software. I think the software can go wherever we want it to go, but we need the organizational input for it to to layer onto. So it really does need that human thought process to, to help drive it to where it needs to go. Well, thanks so much, Amy. I mean, I can tell you that my strong conviction is that uh, your electronics medical record and other IT systems are going to be part of the Cleveland Clinic's secret sauce for a good long time to come. Part of it, not the whole, whole story, but a good part of it. And I think you are the chef. So I think it's, uh, they're lucky to have you. So thanks so much, and we will be tapping your, your experience and expertise more in years to come. Great. Thank you for involving me in this discussion. It's been great fun.